am I. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. When William, Duke of Normandy, defeated King Harold at the Battle of Hastings in 1066, he was determined that he should be seen as the legitimate King of England and set his sights on being crowned in the new Abbey Church that Edward the Confessor had built beside his palace at Westminster. And since then, for almost the next thousand years, Westminster Abbey has remained the place of coronation for English monarchs. But the actual rite of coronation is even older, having its roots in the 9th century. In the 14th century, details of all the rituals that make up the coronation ceremony were written in a book, which the Abbey still possesses. The ceremony has been modified over the following centuries, adapting to changing needs of the times, and in exactly the same way, yesterday's coronation of their majesties King Charles III and Queen Camilla also reflected the shift to our less formal, multi-faith, multicultural society. But for me, it was the words of Samuel Strachan, child of His Majesty's Chapel Royal, and the response of the King, that set the tone and reflected the deeper significance of the ceremony. Your Majesty... As children of the kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the King of Kings. In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve.
make a joyful noise unto the Lord, for he hath done marvellous things. The coronation anthem composed specially for the occasion by Sir Andrew, Baron Lloyd Webber, and based on words from the 98th Psalm, just one of the glorious and varied pieces of music in yesterday's coronation ceremony. Throughout the changing centuries, the coronation service has been, and still is, an occasion for prayer. A strong theme in yesterday's ceremony was one of service. Addressing the responsibility taken on by King Charles and Queen Camilla, the Archbishop of Canterbury said, The weight of the task given to you today is only bearable by the Spirit of God, who gives us the strength to give our lives to others. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the King is given freely what no ruler can ever attain through will or politics or war or tyranny. The Holy Spirit draws us to love in action. The Ascension Choir singing Alleluia, O sing praises unto our God, sing praise unto our King, for God is the King of all the earth, Alleluia. More music composed specially for the service by Debbie Wiseman using words from Psalm 47 and sung by the Ascension Choir, the first gospel choir ever to take part in a coronation ceremony. And another first links the Isle of Man to this historic event. One of our school choirs has recorded a new song to mark the coronation of King Charles III, Lord of Man. 
King William's College invited singers to join them to sing a new hymn as part of a Royal School of Church music project. King William's College Choir held the only licence on the island to record the coronation anthem that singer and composer Joanna Forbes Lestrange was commissioned to compose by the Royal School of Church Music. The Mountains Shall Bring Peace is set to words taken from Psalms 72 and 149, and King William's College pupils were joined by members of choirs from across the island, in the College Chapel of St Thomas, to make the recording just a couple of days ago. It was coordinated by King William's College Director of Music, Steve Dakin, who said he was both humbled and delighted that so many local singers with a wide range of experience took part in the recording, including His Excellency the Lieutenant Governor, Sir John, and Lady Lorimer. And my thanks to Steve Dakin for kindly making that recording available to us to share on the programme now. The organist is Stuart Corrie, the choir is conducted by Steve Dakin and it was recorded, mixed and mastered by Jip Bagain for Ballagroove Recording Studio.
choir of King William's College, Castletown, and the coronation anthem commissioned by the Royal School of Church Music, The Mountains Shall Bring Peace. And yesterday's coronation ceremony actually has a strong link with our next feature. Before any of the coronation rituals began, before the orb or scepter or sword or any other symbols of earthly kingship were presented, a specially made Bible was presented to King Charles by the Right Reverend Dr Ian Greenshields, moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland. And he said these words. Sir, to keep you ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God, as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world has to offer. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. With his hand on the Bible, the king took an oath to use the utmost of his power to maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel putting the importance of the Word of God at the start and the heart of the ceremony. And the power of the Bible is the driving force behind Walk Through the Bible, an international Bible teaching ministry whose regional director, Paul Keyes, is coming to the island next Saturday, May the 13th. Now, a Bible teaching ministry might sound quite dry, something that's a bit heavy going, but in fact, nothing could be further from the truth, because Walk Through the Bible has been operating for some 40 years, and its success is due to the unique way it teaches. An experienced guide, in our case, Paul Keyes, encourages us to see God's Word through the big picture in a fun and memorable way. A chance to learn with clarity that leaves people inspired to read more of the Bible and equipped to keep digging deeper into guidance for life that it offers us. Paul's inviting everyone to join him next Saturday when, in a relaxed atmosphere in St John's Methodist Church, he's going to make the Old Testament both understandable and memorable. Let's welcome Paul now from his office in Essex to tell us more. I work for one of the smallest branches of our organisation. The, the one over here in the UK, we have a couple of hundred people who teach for us uh, just around the UK. Um, but Walk Through the Bible has been around for over 40 years. Uh, it was started in the US, um, but now has grown into over 130 countries around the world. Uh, and some of those countries have thousands and thousands of presenters. Uh, so we're we're actually there together with a world's largest team of Bible teachers, and we, we all teach the same program, and we have been doing for years. We, we love to meet together. I uh, just did so a couple of weeks ago just to encourage each other um, to keep going, to keep teaching the same program uh, so that people will be enthused and ready to just more equipped to read God's Word. Bible reading its one of the fundamentals of our faith, but it's something that many of us struggle with. And if there's anything that we can do that can help people along that journey, then we love to be able to do that. So we uh, we walk people through the Bible. We take them from the from the beginning to the end of a whole testament within a day um, so that it gives them that big picture of how it all fits together, what it looks like, and just to try and 
demystify a little bit so that when they when they go back and read it for themselves uh, it's even more helpful than it was before we take the story chronologically so we take the first 17 books and the first 17 books are the 17 books of history and then we take our journey all the way through from genesis kind of four big events at the beginning and then four key people and then after that, we move through the life of Moses and then through the life of Joshua into the judges and just unfold the story. That's really all we're looking to do. Um, so we keep it really nice and simple. Uh, and then we say, where do those five books of poetry and wisdom, where do they fit into the history? And then the 17 books of prophecy that follow that, where do they fit into the history? We'll concentrate on the narrative and then see how see if we can suck all those other books into that narrative timeline. Do you think that we're wrong in thinking that the Old Testament is very dry and very difficult to get to grips with and not really particularly relevant? Scripture refers to Scripture. So when Paul says in 2 Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God, he doesn't mean his writings. He means Scripture for him, which was Old Testament. So we feel like if we can demystify and, and help to go through some of those difficult moments in the Old Testament, and there are many of them, that that will be a real blessing to people. And they'll see Scripture the way that Paul saw Scripture, the way that Jesus saw Scripture, as useful and helpful for them thousands of years after it had been written in some cases. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced that it's as useful to us as the New Testament Scriptures. And in fact, in the New Testament, Jesus makes frequent references to this is to fulfill the prophets. Yeah, everybody in the New Testament quotes Old Testament. It's such a shame that many kind of turn their back on it and say we're now New Testament believers. I mean, I'm a New Testament believer too, and I read my New Testament. If I go to a church on a Sunday, then I'm really happy to preach from either. I believe that God's message comes through really clearly through both the Old and the New. So, Paul, this day that you're going to come to lead for us on the island next weekend, who is it aimed for? Who's who's going to get the most from it? Who's going to enjoy it the most? I always feel like some kind of dodgy charlatan when I give the answer to this question. But the answer is, when I was 11 years old, I went to my first walk through the Bible. When I went, it was really useful for me as an 11-year-old who didn't really understand anything about the Bible at all. Um, but then this weekend, I've just been in a a church in Peterborough, uh, and there were people there who had been reading their Bible for longer than I've been alive. People who've been reading their Bible for 60, 70, 80 years. And there was a lady who came up to me uh, this weekend at lunchtime and basically told me off, uh, saying, where have you been all my life? Why, why have I struggled with my Bible reading all this time? And now you turn up and I'm in my 80s. You've pieced so many bits together for me. And now I'm looking forward to going back and reading it again. She was very tongue-in-cheek, very playful, um, but she's absolutely right. If we can get that big picture, it just it just helps. I think most of us would admit that Bible reading is a thing that we wish we were better at. It was something we were just slightly more equipped for. Uh, one day will not solve all of our problems, but it will certainly help lead us in the right direction. I get the sense from talking to you, Paul, that what you're trying to do is, yes, to, to simplify things, to make us look at the Old Testament differently, but also to fill us with a love for what we're doing. And yeah. when you have a love for something, you will go on and read more, study more, think more, won't you? If Absolutely. 
Our challenge every time is not just to give people the big picture, how does it fit together, um, but to challenge them to then go back and read it afresh. And once they've read it afresh, what are they actually going to do with it? Is this just learning for learning's sake so that we can be smarter sinners? Or are we learning in order that we can actually see a life change within us and that, that God's word will be a positive impact on our lives? So yeah, we we have this we have this idea that we come there to see it on the day and then to read it afterwards in order to live it out. Um, so that that's really our focus and our aim, and that'll be that'll be our aim uh, next weekend. Paul, we really look forward to welcoming you to the island next weekend. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us and giving us a little taster of what we can look forward to when you join us and help us to walk through the Bible. Paul Keys, thank you very much indeed. Bless you. Thank you. And if you'd like to join Paul Keyes for the Old Testament in a nutshell, the place to be is St. John's Methodist Church next Saturday the 13th. The day runs from 10 until half past four and you're asked to bring along a packed lunch. The cost is £14 per person with free admission for young people between the ages of 11 and 17 if accompanied by an adult. To reserve your place, ring Pauline on 611 737 or email louisewhiteleg at hotmail.co.uk. Time to take a look at the rest of our notice board. This afternoon in the Cathedral in Peel at half past three, there'll be a national service of thanksgiving for the coronation of King Charles III. Led by Bishop Peter and in the presence of His Excellency the Lieutenant Governor, music will be provided by the Cathedral Choir and will include Britain's Jubilate, Handel's Zadok the Priest and a premiere of a new work for the occasion by composer Jack Odes. As seating in the cathedral is limited, you're advised to arrive early 
and help with parking by car sharing if you possibly can. There's a mariner's service this evening in Balaf Parish Church, starting at half past six. The preacher will be the rector, Reverend Ian Skidmore, and as usual the service will be followed by supper and community hymn singing. Also this evening at half past six, Bride Methodist Chapel celebrate their chapel anniversary with a special service at which the Salvation Army songsters will provide the music and the preacher will be the Salvation Army officer, Rachel Nevote. The service will be followed by supper. Tomorrow, the Coronation Bank holiday, Onken Methodist Church are holding a coronation fete in the field behind the church building or in the church hall if it's wet. This is tomorrow the 8th and it'll be open from noon to 4pm. The fete will be free with a warm welcome for everyone. Games, face painting, craft tables and refreshments fit for a king. And there'll be music from Onken Silver Band too. On Friday, May the 12th, Colby Methodist Community invites you to Colby's Got Talent. It starts at 6 o'clock in Colby Church Hall, and not only will there be great entertainment, there'll be refreshments too, including bake-off cakes. There'll be a raffle, and all donations will benefit the Steve Hobbs Rehabilitation Fund. And looking ahead to next weekend, on Saturday the 13th, the Cool Chapel are having their annual afternoon tea, together with a plant sale and cake and bric-a-brac stalls. Open from 2 until 4.30pm, admission is just £4 and there's a warm welcome for everyone. And also next Saturday the 13th, Arbury Church are holding their annual Spring Fair in Arbury Parish Hall in Ballabeg. Open from 2 until 4, they'll have all their usual stalls and strawberry cream scones. And you'll also be able to enjoy a walk around Parville Gardens. And finally, the Friends of Robert Owen House are having their annual Thanksgiving service on Sunday, May the 14th in Balaf Parish Church, starting at 3 o'clock. There's a warm welcome for everyone to come and celebrate 25 years of Isle of Man support for Robert Owen House and there'll be afternoon tea after the service. And that's where I must leave you, but I'll be back tonight at 9 o'clock for Sundown, your invitation to our virtual late lounge for a mix of easy listening music and a bit of nostalgia too. I'd love you to join me if you can. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and happy week and a very good morning. Mm -hmm.